0: 2020 the pure hoops podcast never could i imagine doing a podcast of any kind that it has to deal with the reality of the tragedy that took place on sunday january 26 2020 in la which involved the passing of kobe bryant his daughter and seven other people in a tragic helicopter crash in Los Angeles. Eric Newman with my partner, BJ Armstrong. And BJ, um, as you just shared with me during pre show, uh, this is something we can't even process yet. But, um, you know, first, what are your initial reflections on what we're all dealing with on this very, very uh, somber, somber day?
1: Well, like so many around the world, um, it's really hard to put this into words of what just transpired here over the last 24 hours or so. And, you know, as I've been watching through various media outlets and various news outlets, one of the things that really stood out was how many lives that this young man touched and how much he meant to so many people through the vehicle of you know sports, and whether you were a Laker fan or whether you were a Kobe fan, you know the one thing that you was very obvious as you know we're trying to make some sense of this, of what happened and and what what we you know all came to learn was that. There was a there was a mutual respect that we had and admired about the way he was able to uh, really dedicate his life, if you will, to his craft. And um, it's 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 certainly you know it's one thing to have met someone to you know someone in passing what have you and that person makes a impact but it's another when you actually know someone and you have a relationship with these people and uh, this one is a hard one this is this is very hard and and um it's hard for all of us and not just one individual but this is hard for all of us because of what he meant to, to all of us in some capacity whether that was through basketball or whether that was through the, all the wonderful charitable work, what he meant to his family, what to he meant to, you know, all of the people that he was able to touch through basketball and through his just everyday life. So uh, this is this is a very difficult day for 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 all of us. and um, because in the end, it, 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 he and what he represented meant more to us than more than just a basketball player. You know, to some degree, we all felt like we knew him because we saw him play in such, you know, really intimate moments. I mean, he was on our televisions in our home. We watched him play in the the biggest stage and we watched him perform and just do incredible things. So um, it, it was a very tough day for 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 everyone that call themselves Kobe Bryant fans.
0: You know, I'm the same age, born in 1978, and while I'm growing up, while my peers are growing up, you're watching these young athletes evolve in front of your eyes into young men, grown men from teenagers. And, um, you know, when we reminisce about the guys that retired who we were watching since teenagers and you feel like you watch them grow in front of your eyes, there's no better example than than Kobe Bryant. And, uh, you know, 1996, I'm a senior in high school slash freshman in college and I'm watching this teenager get drafted by the Hornets and traded to the Lakers, and, uh, and and you know, obviously as a Celtics fan, hearing about this kid, I wonder, wow, what it would have been like to to see this guy in, in green. But for you, BJ, you were in Golden State, and uh, at the time, you and Kobe were both uh, represented by the same agent, Arn Tellem. Uh, wh- you know, what what were your first impressions? of him as a as a teenager coming into the NBA. And let's remind people, coming into the NBA as a teenager in 96 is not the same as coming into the NBA as a teenager now or even when LeBron did it in 03 or Dwight Howard did it in 04. It was KG for the first time for 20 years in 95 and then Kobe right after him in 96. So, what do you remember about him and your first interactions with him back then?
1: Yeah, when um, you know, back in in Detroit where I grew up at, um, a a great friend of mine and I, we 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 had this thing of saying when you know we had this thing about who is the greatest player that we've ever saw, right? And we used to always talk about the greatest player. And when I came to the Chicago Bulls, I called him and I said, you know what? I think I just saw the greatest player I've ever seen. He was like, cool. And uh, I said, I think this kid, Michael Jordan, I think he's the greatest player I've ever seen. And we would always talk in those terms. And we would always watch basketball with the idea of without knowing it, we were like scouting, but we were always taking inventory of the greatest player. And at the time, I remember I was in the NBA and he called me and he said, BJ, I think I just saw the greatest basketball player I've ever seen. And I was like, who? He's like this kid at Laura Marion High School. And we talked about this yesterday. And he said, if Michael Jordan is the greatest, he'll be the next. And I was like, high school kid, you're saying this to And lo and behold, he, I see him for the, for the first time. And it, believe it or not, I don't know why I remember this, um, but yesterday so many things were coming to my mind. But I remember John Lucas was coaching the Philadelphia 76ers at the time and I asked John and he said yeah we, we've seen this young kid play and he was playing with Jerry Stackhouse and all of the people that were there in Philadelphia and they said this kid was unbelievable and I was like wow you know that's a big statement you know and all of the players were saying the same thing and lo and behold we ended up having the same agent uh, Arn Tellem at the time and my first introduction to him uh, was during his rookie season, and we were at Arn's house uh, during the summer. And he was playing one-on-one with every kid or everyone was at the house. It was, uh, it, I, I, and he was playing one-on-one, playing like knockout, right? And he's, just, he's playing. Just,
0: just, line, just lining you up. Lining, and he's lining everyone. He's, he's lining everyone. Out.
1: and. Yep. I remember because I was in the I had been in the league for some time and I was just amazed at the the, first of all, I was just amazed at the energy that this kid had to to play. It wasn't like 30 minutes or 40. It was like this was we're going on hours. And he was playing everyone who would challenge him in a one on one outside in the backyard. And this went on for hours. And I just remember that. I just remember the energy that this kid had and I thought whoever this kid is, he has the energy that's necessary to pursue that because he was just playing on and on and on and he didn't come in to get a drink, he didn't come in to stop, he just kept playing whoever would challenge him. It didn't matter if it was, if you were a girl, you were a boy, if you played in the nba he was challenging everybody and he took on the challenge to everyone stopped and i just reminded me of that's kind of who he was and the thing that stuck out with with him more than anything was how comfortable he was in the conflict of competition and and i always Spot and on. i always i remember thinking that then i was like he's very comfortable in conflict and he's very comfortable in that mayhem, or if you will, or that setting to where competition is like, it didn't matter what was going on. He was just comfortable in the conflict of competition. And I remember thinking that then, and as a, his career unfolded, and, and look, I didn't spend a lot of time with him. But we knew each other where wherever we were doing, if I would see him out to dinner, or if I would see him at a game or whatever, there's always that, you know, you know, you would stop to acknowledge each other. And, and um, I always had that relationship with him, but I remember that I thinking when we, when I met him for the first time, that he was so comfortable in the conflict of competition. And it was very unusual to see a young kid that comfortable and I mean, he, obviously, he went on to have a, a an amazing career. And one of the last memories that I had, we, we were at dinner together. And it was just myself, Michael Jordan, and Kobe Bryant. And it was one of the greatest basketball dinners that I've ever had. And we just sat there and just to watch and listen to those two play a virtual game of one on one where they were just talking can't about even imagine. what they would do and things they would counter. And this went on for like two hours. And for us and I and I was just it was just us three. It wasn't anyone else. And to watch those two talk about and I and I hope, you know, I I hope Michael will someday share the story of because I think he's the only one that should share it, but to watch those two play one-on-one against each other (laughs) at a dinner table and to talk about what they would do if this move and talk about how they would play each other and to talk about the things they would do and play and how they would win and who would win the game and how they would attack each other. It was one of the most fascinating dinners I've ever had to, to watch two basketball minds of that caliber just talk basketball. And it was just us three, it was no one around. And that was, I'm gonna say almost eight to 10 years ago out here in LA where we just had a dinner and we happened to be at the same restaurant and we all just got a little space, obviously because of those two, we needed a private space. And they they proceeded to talk about how they would play each other in a, in a series of five of five. And then it went to one-on-one. And then what they would do in each other's crime, and it was it was just fascinating. And um, and those are just some of the memories that just came to mind. This, and um, you know, he was a phenomenal player, and and to watch this young man come on and how he was transitioning life after basketball with his family and his personal life and what he was doing business wise. Um, you know, he really. You know, it was a it was a tragic loss for all of us because he meant so much or so many different things to so many different people.
0: So that dinner was that. So that was just a happy accident that you guys ended up at the same restaurant.
1: Yeah, we were here uh, in L. That's in, we were in that, L. A. That's, inc- yeah.
0: that's incredible. That it was just one of those L. A. things. That just it, I,
1: I, if I remember it's been so long ago we, I was here doing something and Michael was in town and and we were we were doing something and and we were in town and Michael said you want to grab dinner of course you know we and and yeah so we just like grabbing a quick bite and somehow Kobe found out he was in town or someone called Kobe and and then he drove up I remember I remember this he drove up from Orange County though I do remember that I thought, you know, being out here in LA, that's a, that's a walk, you know, it's a, it's a, it's not like, a you know, easy commute. And he drove up to, to, to join, you know, Michael at dinner, basically. And I just happened to have been there. And then it, it was just us three. It was, it, it was, it really was, it was great. And I remember after we had got done with dinner, there were like hundreds of people outside of this restaurant that, that. We had to figure out how to get Michael and out of there and then get Kobe out of there. And uh but it was it was it was probably one it was probably not one of it's probably the most fascinating you now that I think about it, most fascinating dinner I've had because of the conversation that we we're at. It was just purely a basketball conversation of just those two. Playing one on one, it was like a virtual reality game or some of some sort. Where where they were talking about what they were gonna do and how they would take away and how they would counter it and what type of players they needed and why this team was better than that team and and all of the different things and uh, and that just went on and on and I remember we just sat there like I don't even think we ate it like the food came and we just and those two just kept talking <laughs> and then I was just there listening. And, uh, but I remember he came down just to, you know, talk and, uh, man, what a, what a, what a, what a great time and what a special moment that was. And, um, just one of the memories I'm sure that so many people have of him.
0: That's, that's so special. And, and, you know, uh, ironically, I, uh, you know, I'm privileged enough to be producing, uh, you know, all the smoke with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson for Showtime and building Showtime basketball, and we were with them five weeks ago. And in that interview, uh, they asked him, you know, how often have you been able to sit down with Michael over the years and really talk? And he just smiled and just went into it. He goes, oh, we've sat down and really dug into things and compared – and contrasted and they said do you line up teams and specific situations and kobe smiley says yeah we get into all that so the fact that <laughs> he shared with us the overarching stuff and you witnessed it firsthand yeah yeah is, is yeah. truly remarkable and yeah, it was, you know uh, I, what what i don't think sorry what what i don't think people realize yet and and you and i do because we're lucky enough that we've been able to do these unique things in the game. And obviously I have a ways to go to catch up with you. But, um, you know, we've seen what the sport has done just for people and connectivity globally. And, you know, behind Yao Ming, Kobe Bryant's the most popular player in China. And, you know, I saw this firsthand as I was building – um, you know, my first career as a, a coach and a clinic director, and I was lucky enough to direct camps and clinics uh, in China in 2006 as part of this big lead-up to the 08 Olympics that Nike was doing. And it was right after the Kobe 81-point game season, so they had Kobe visuals and murals everywhere, and they were worshiping him like a god. Like, do you remember when it hit you, like, what Kobe and that mentality and that greatness, do you remember when it hit you that that language spoke to everybody globally, not just Laker fans, not just NBA fans in the U.S., but uh, around the world?
1: Well, you know, I, I think the explosion of the sport of basketball, along with all of the wonderful players, you know, that played prior to... You know what television and 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 the popularity of the game. I mean, players were going over to China, you know, in the '70s to play, and it, you know the the game has always, you know, each generation has always pushed it forward to the point now where we're not only we're able to see these players once or twice a year, now we're able to view them, you know, really each and every game because of the technology as the technology improved and the Lakers were on the cutting edge of that uh at the time that Kobe and Shaq were winning their championships and um and you know like all you know you benefit from the popularity of the game especially here in California and playing for the Lakers and I mean that's one of the one of one of the storied franchises in all of sports not just basketball and really recognizable all over the world and i think you know kobe bryant you know is synonymous with excellence especially when you come out here to la i mean he i mean think about it this young man came here at 18 years of age right and this city adopted him as one of their own and that's being out here in la and to to watch and witness what has happened here in the last 24 hours or so. It's, it. this has been tough and um, this has been really tough, but, you know, getting back to your question, I think, you know, Kobe was one of the first athletes to really, you know, as NBA China became a reality for its relationship uh, with the NBA and its partnership, you know, he was one of the first to really benefit from that because he was going over there spending time there in China to really cultivate, you know, the the things that he was doing over there, not only business-wise, but the relationship that he had uh, with that country. So uh, he embraced it. Um, we've all know it's documented that he grew up in, you know, in, a, in, a, in, different, in a different countries, learning different languages, so forth. So he was really a man of the people, a man of the world. I mean, he was, I mean, what a phenomenal experience to be able to grow up in in other parts of the world, even though he might be born here in the United States, but I, I think that gave him that worldview that we all aspire to have, and, and allow him to see the the world from a oh, from a sure. different perspective.
0: You know, you talk about the excellence that he represents. Um, you know, we had we had a, a limited amount of time with him, and uh, obviously, he has great relationships with with Stack and with Barnes through playing against them and and Barnes was a teammate of his but it was so much more about the things he's been able to achieve because of the game as the foundation and whether that's being an incredible father to his children, whether that's exploring these artistic endeavors and creating a company and creating jobs and a great work culture for people creating the mamba academy where boys and girls are getting incredible basketball experiences both through training instruction and and competition um it it speaks it speaks volumes about who he continued to evolve to be and you know i i was able to have a few moments with him and Um, I was really looking forward to seeing him again because one of the greatest days I have ever had um, personally and professionally uh, happened because of him back in 2010 at at Rucker Park during the the first ever Nike World Basketball Festival and there was this picture taken of us that day that went all over the internet and it, it was all over the place and people were sending it to me and I asked him if he remembered that day at Rucker and he said, yes. And I said, well, you're not going to believe this. And I showed him the picture of us. And I said, I was the guy running the clinic that day that you took over from me. And I got to watch you work with all these kids that I was working with that summer. And he looked at me, he goes, how did you get to doing this now? And he took an interest. And, you know, I told him that that day, while it was incredible as a basketball experience, I realized all the cameras and all the content being created around all of that. And I said, you know, if I wasn't going to figure out how to climb the ranks and figure out a way to get into the league somehow, either as a scout or a coach, then I was going to go this other way and go after it with the same ferocity I would through sport or competition. And um, he just kind of nodded at me and, and said, smart man I see it's all worked out well for you and um you know BJ that day at Rucker you know we we joke a lot about my how I'm you know still a fan and you know love the rival team but that was six weeks after game seven of the 2010 finals like I was much younger then and was used to being around ball players but when I found out on a phone call you know, a few weeks before that the culmination of our summer doing our camps and programming, uh, in New York city, mainly in Harlem was going to culminate with Kobe Bryant coming out and guest running the clinic. My friends on the call from Nike, like they were laughing because they knew how pissed I was still about the finals. (laughs) They asked me if I was going to be okay. And, um, There's some incredible video from that day that I'll send you, but um, the vision of him being walked out of the corner of Rucker Park and I've got 50 kids on the court and they're all in defensive slide, foot fire mode and I I had one of my drill instructor uh, station coaches leading it and the kids are seeing themselves on the scoreboard, right? Because the cameras are out and they've got the whole setup there. And one by one, Kobe's walking down the sideline and being walked over to me and one by one you see the kids all do a double take and just completely stop what they're doing to the point where they went from all being at a stance to standing straight up in awe that Kobe Bryant was coming out to work with them and you know I get introduced and he says hello and they go back to what they're doing and BJ I don't I, I, I can't I, I'm not Uh, embellishing this at all within two minutes he turns to me says E let me see that microphone and I give him the mic and he just starts teaching 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 posture hand placement on a closeout all of these things and instead of me bouncing from station to station that day and infusing whatever was needed it was him, and I got to shadow the greatest technician in the world, look at his craft and critique it with young people, and he had so much fun doing it, and my staff had the greatest day, and it was just this, you know what the basketball community feels like when you're out there doing stuff with kids, and it was just one of the great experiences uh, I've been fortunate enough to have through the sport and it's something I will I will never forget and the fact that I got to be in his presence one more time before this uh tragic occurrence is uh something I I, I view as a a blessing despite all this sadness right now but um you know watching this guy just grow into the the not just the champion uh but the the man he became and, and the lives he was affecting um after his playing career is just something that that can't be highlighted and stated enough so um you know final final thoughts if you have before we uh before we wrap this for the day and it it it's great talking about this with you you today uh, to be honest I, I i needed to do this it's been a it's been a rough uh you know 30 plus hours at this point
1: yeah you know it's you know we have so many wonderful stories and you can see the impact that he's that he has. And uh, and whatever it is or was, he had it. And, um, you, know, uh, you know, there's so many things that you want to say and things you want to say, but, you know, I, I, I just say this. He was an incredible, incredible basketball player. And without question, without question, the one thing I think we can all agree upon is that Whatever he was supposed to be as a basketball player, he maximized his potential and he reached it. And um, that's one thing I'll always admire that it wasn't so much whether he was considered the greatest or not the greatest. The one thing we can all say and with absolute certainty is that he was the greatest version of Kobe Bryant that a basketball player can be and you can see that he was well on his way to being the greatest person that he can be. And I think all of us can take something from that because that takes courage. And um, certainly, you know, he will be missed. And uh, I'm just happy to say that, you know, he was a friend and um, I just wish the best to him and his family. And, um, you know, but it it certainly doesn't ease the pain of what we all saw or witnessed yesterday.
0: We will close on that note. Um, BJ and I will be back later in the week to, uh, I'm sure, talk more about this, but also to uh, get back into basketball mode. And uh, the league will, of course, be figuring out what their – going to continue to do or try to do uh, to memorialize his life and obviously All-Star Weekend in Chicago will take on a different tone. Uh, Just passing this along, Showtime where Kobe Bryant of course told his story four years ago with Kobe Bryant's Muse. They will uh, air the film Tuesday night along with uh, the episode of All the Smoke with Kobe sitting down with Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson, which uh, was released um, just a couple of weeks ago. They will uh, air that as well in celebrating uh, his life and what he was doing now. And we will continue to uh, take part in celebrating his life and his impact and memorializing him uh, across the board. But, you know, here at Pure Hoops, we obviously won't lose sight of his contributions to uh, the countless lives and the game that he uh was able to do so um mike wise had a you know a very thoughtful episode for the mike wise show to start the week so check that out he'll be back of course next week uh this upcoming wednesday will be former laker analyst dave miller joining catch and shoot and uh i'm sure monica mcnutt will be uh paying her tribute as well in buckets, boards, and blocks on Thursday of this week. So glad we got on today, my friend. Special thanks as always to our producer, Mike Lieber, to the one and only Bruce Bernstein, editor Benjamin Wolfen, and the entire Pure Hoops Media family. Let your loved ones know you love them. Don't take anything for granted. And as always, whatever you do, stay pure. Enjoy your evening. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.